This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Czech filmmaker Andrea Sukola from Prague uh, to the program. How are you doing, Andrea? I'm fine, thank you. Enjoying the city, Amsterdam. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Andrea has been in Amsterdam. Uh, she is a filmmaker working on a European documentary called The Magic Carpet. Uh, so she came to visit America's Carpet City, which was, or used to be, Amsterdam, New York. Uh, Andrea, in her filmmaking work, is perhaps best known for a documentary on the perils of eating sugar called Sugar Blues, but she's working on a completely different topic now, a documentary called The Magic Carpet, which uh, led for her visit to uh, Amsterdam, New York, uh, some time ago. Several of us in the local history community were interviewed by uh, Andrea, and she shot a lot of uh, video. Uh, Why did you come to Amsterdam? Oh, I think the the main reason... uh was the wheel of life. Exactly. So then I guess we'll need to explain this whole connection. Um, You're doing uh, this documentary, uh, initially the story is, about a carpet factory in what is now the Czech Republic and a couple of rugs that that factory made for a hotel in New York City, the Waldorf Astoria. Can you tell us about that factory? What was it called, for example? The, the, uh, the factory was called by name of the uh, owner. It means the Ginskys, Ginske factory. The, the name, there was German name because it was German family, Ginske. Mm-hmm. So Ginsky Carpet Factory and Deccan, they are there because they also uh, did blankets, uh, especially during war times. Was uh, <laughs> the blankets were on the top, you know, and uh, during peace <laughs> uh, time they made a lot of carpets. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, Andrea, because the same thing was true with the Amsterdam carpet mills when World War Two came along. They I don't know if they stopped making carpets, but they converted most of what they were doing to making blankets and canvas. Definitely, definitely. You know, uh, (laughs) order from the government came in uh, our case, and then uh, the the factory followed the order. I think it was the same here in Amsterdam, no, or the similar. Mm -hmm. Now, over in uh, was then Czechoslovakia, where this factory was, I believe the uh, town they were in was, is, is it the town that's called Mattersdorf? But it has another yeah. Czech name. Yeah, Vratislavice. Vratislavice. Okay. <laughs> this is a Czech name. And actually from the uh, hundreds of years ago, uh, uh, they used both names, uh, Czech name and German name. Because on the one side of the river, uh, Czechs, were living, and on the other side of the river, German were, uh, Germans were living. So, you know, and time to time, uh, uh, maybe Czech group disappear, and uh, on, because this city is really, you know, really old. So uh, the name was changed a couple of times during the history, but... Uh, uh, Maffersdorf, it's a name in, uh, in a famous in the German community. I, I get um, the 
let's see, uh, my conclusion, or you're just listening to you, that I, I get the impression, I guess is what I want to say, that the Czechs and Germans in this place, Vratislava uh, uh, or, or Mattersdorf, didn't necessarily get along too well? Ah, this is complicated. I think they were uh, dealing with each other pretty well, but uh, the problematic uh, or pro- big problems came with nationalism uh, in the, you know, around uh, uh, 1918 when uh, Republic uh, Czech- Czechoslovakia actually began. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, Czechs uh, didn't treat the German, uh, I would say, pretty well. And Germans were not uh, pretty happy to end up in a in small republic before you can imagine it was uh, empire, you know, mm-hmm. Austria-Hungarian empire. And, for example, for uh, factories, uh, big market was much more interesting than uh, suddenly small republic and when they want to you know sell their products they have to they have to pay a lot of taxes so they end up in a really problematic situation so the rest of republic uh, or Czechs were celebrating but the german community and i have to uh, um, say that the G- big factories were uh, owned mostly by german hmm. We're talking with uh, Andrea Sukolov, a filmmaker from Prague, who's doing a, a movie about uh, carpets, if, if you will. Um, who's Was this your idea to do this movie, or whose idea was it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, actually, mine idea, but I, it's usually like that. that on, on my way, I am meeting different people, and they are uh, giving me different inspirations, and... Uh, uh, during one uh, screening, when I uh, was screening my film, I met a guy who wants to re- reopen this old factory. And actually from him, I learned uh, this uh, amazing story 200 years uh, behind the factory and behind carpets. Mm-hmm. And. You have some, or at least one, to me, well-known backer for this project, and your backer is uh, HBO, which is, but it's HBO Europe, correct? Yeah, definitely HBO Europe. I'm really happy to have them as a partner, and uh, yeah, hopefully you here in Amsterdam, you also will have a chance to see the film when we are <laughs> ready to show it. Mm-hmm. When do you think that will be, that you'll be ready to show no, it? I'm, we are planning one year of uh, filming and one year of post-production. So I think in two years, you should have a chance to see the film. So it's called The Magic Carpet, but uh, and I know you're dealing with carpet making, and that's why you came to uh, Amsterdam, because there's a real commonality we haven't discussed. But but what is the story that, that you're telling in this uh, you know, if you had to give somebody what we call an American elevator pitch, I mean, or how did you <laughs> pitch this to HBO Europe? Ah, how I pitch it. You know, for I first I have to say why I love this story. And uh, for me, it's amazing chance to through one family or and through one factory, you actually show 200 years of demo- development of uh 
one region, but also uh, in connection with the global history. And usually we, when we talk about history, we talk about them short, in short frame, you know, in much smaller frame. Mm-hmm. And when we have this chance to have these 200 years, you can see how things are uh, repeating or, you know, how people are ending uh, in the deserted c- cities and how, the, you know, uh, again, this, maybe this location have, can breathe again and how war are coming back and how people are dealing with it and if they are and for me it's really interesting to study if we are, we have a chance something to learn or if we are doing the same mistake and again again and again mm-hmm. it, it's a way to, to to look at life really through this prism of Definitely, the wheel of life. <laughs> ah, the, well, I should explain the wheel of life. Let me, we'll do that when we come back. We'll take uh, just a moment here to uh, tell the, our listeners that uh, you're listening to the Historians Podcast with our guest, uh, Andrea Sukala uh, from Prague. Am I getting the last name right, uh, Andrea? It's quite difficult for an American to pronounce. Okay. Well, Cudmore's no walk in the park either. But Andrea Sukala from Prague, filmmaker, working on the documentary The Magic Carpet. Uh, Here on the Historian's Podcast, we uh, depend on your donations to keep us going. We have a GoFundMe page. Go to GoFundMe.com forward slash 2019 The Historians. And if you go to that website you'll be able to uh, donate online. If you'd rather not donate online, you can make out a check to me, Bob Cudmore, and send it to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Andrea Sukala from Prague, working on the documentary The Magic Carpet, is with us. Now, this Ginsky Carpet Company, from uh, which was located in what was then Czechoslovakia, Sometime <clears throat> produced two big carpets, as I understand it, for uh, a major hotel in New York City, the Waldorf Historia. One uh, carpet was the world's largest carpet. That uh, that was probably something. But the second carpet they produced, which is what uh, gives the link to Amsterdam, New York, eventually, they produced a carpet called the Wheel of Life. Can you tell us about those uh, that project, those two carpets? Uh, okay, what I uh, what I know that uh, Ginsky Factory uh, received the order for these uh, two carpets, probably even more carpets for the hotel. And as you said, one of the biggest one, which is amazing to see. I would wish all listeners to have a chance to see photos of the, of this biggest carpet. It's unbelievable. Uh, I have a great photo uh, when they are, uh, you know, <laughs> they were rolling the carpet and uh, tra- and put uh, the ca- and place the carpet uh, on the track or and rail rails and uh, then uh, amazing <laughs> photos how this huge carpet uh, traveled to uh, through across uh, the ocean to New York City and uh, there was the second uh, carpet which was uh, made for the lobby of the hotel Waldorf Astoria mm-hmm. and, and with the name uh, big, uh, the wheel of life and i think you can explain because we experienced uh, nicely <laughs> yesterday the connection and uh, 
to Amsterdam, no? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I do, now, the, and the Wheel of Life <clears throat> is, um, what was it exactly a painting? Because it was originally done as a mosaic, as I understand it, although maybe it was done first as a painting. And the artist was uh, a Frenchman named Louis Rigal, correct? Has that been your finding as well? Yeah, and um, Monsieur Regal uh, did this mosaic, and it's not really clear to me when, but he he put it in the lobby of the uh, of the uh, Waldorf Astoria on the floor, and it, so the uh, mosaic was there. But for whatever reason, the hotel uh, wanted uh, you know maybe to just to protect the mosaic, uh, they wanted to cover it. With a carpet, which seems kind of you know odd because you've got this beautiful work and you're covering it with a carpet. So, but they wanted to have the carpet show the original work, the Wheel of Life. So apparently, the uh, Ginsky factory did such a carpet. And my hunch is that, from what you've said, that it was installed perhaps in the 1920s to, toward 1929, which was a big year for the Waldorf Astoria because I believe they moved locations. So it could be that, I, well, I think it maybe I don't know if it must be, but it could be that the um, Wheel of Life mosaic was in the new uh, the new building. So there, there goes the Ginsky carpet sometime in the 1920s. But then sometime in the 1930s, a Waldorf Astoria Hotel contracts with one of Amsterdam, New York's two uh, big carpet mills. Uh, one mill was Bigelow Sanford. They didn't go to them, but they went to Mohawk Carpet and had Mohawk Carpet weave another wheel of life. And I believe it, for whatever reason, replaced the uh, wheel of life that the uh, Ginsky factory had. Is that your understanding of the story, or what would you like to add to that? Ah, it's a quite you know what I love on this story. This is quite of the uh, quite of the mystery, no? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many <laughs> versions how this story was. One one version of uh, uh, people uh, who were working in the factory was that actually Waldorf Astoria asked uh, uh, in an, uh, around 1970. Uh, it was not any more Ginsky factory, but was Vratislavice Kovral factory because it was owned by, uh, com, you know, uh, mm-hmm. by okay. government during communist time. And they asked them to do uh, another, ver- you know, replica of Waldorf Astoria. With re- they said, you know, our carpet was destroyed. Please, can you make uh, uh, the third version no? already? <laughs> And what I learned, you know, the communist owners, they refused to make uh, for uh, for the hotel. So they they decided to show the mosaic or made the mosaic, I don't know, probably, as you said, mosaic was uh, made first, but... Uh, what I learned from people, they had an idea that it was the first carpet and then uh, then uh, mosaic. So this we have to figure uh, out. Find out, yeah, figure out, yeah. But what about? I'm getting more than a little a little confused here because Wheel of Life as either a mosaic or a carpet was at Waldorf Astoria 
I, I thought, you know, starting sometime in the 20s and then the rug that, that was made in Amsterdam in 1938. But what happened during the, the communist time in, in um, Czechoslovakia? Uh, they were wanted the carpet company over there to make a, a new um, wheel of life? Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, you know, after Second uh, World War, German owner, owners were displaced, and actually communists took over. And then during 50s, uh, of course, they were facing a lot of problems because they didn't know how to run such a big factory. But during 60s, they actually uh, figured out how to do it. And uh, again, the factory was really successful, and they made a lot of kilometers and kilometers of uh, carpets Perfect. for, uh, you know, uh, whole Eastern Europe <laughs> and also for many other countries. And during that time, they were asked by Waldorf Astoria uh, if they can make a copy of this first uh, carpet, the Wheel of Life. But would be a really interesting kind of high hope. In uh, three days, I will have a meeting with a lady who worked, uh, I think, two or three years for uh, archive of Waldorf Astoria, and I hopefully will find out more ah. about the story. But your your understanding now before meeting her is that the uh, factory in Czechoslovakia in the 50s or 60s was asked to make the carpet, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the third version. The, uh, the first version they did, uh, you know, some somewhere in the end of 20s, uh, beginning of 30s, and then uh, they made, uh, they were asked again to make the, the Wheel of Life in the uh, 60s. And, and the one in the carpet that was made in Amsterdam, New York, was sort of the middle version. Yeah, yeah it looks like. It yeah. looks like, yeah. Or well, anyway, well, that's interesting. It maybe makes more sense, because from the point of view of the uh, Wheel of Life carpet, um, you know, we don't can't. And those of us who look try to study Amsterdam, New York history, we can't figure out what happened to that carpet because there's some indication that the uh, Mohawk carpet mill took the carpet on tour. But that seemed to be a, an odd thing because it was such a big carpet. It was what 49 by 47 feet. Unless they just took the wheel part, which was in the center, and that was 18 feet in, in diameter. Or maybe they took a reproduction of the Wheel of Life on tour, and by on tour I mean they went to, uh, car you know, uh, carpet dealers, and they say, "Hey, look, you can display this Wheel of Life as this really elaborate uh, carpet." Maybe I should ask you because you've seen several versions of it, and as a filmmaker, you you have an eye for things. You uh, spent uh, quite a bit of your time in Amsterdam, New York, on what we call our pedestrian uh, bridge, the Mohawk River Gateway uh, Outlook, where there are different uh, artistic displays, including a, a mosaic of the Wheel of, uh, of Life. Um, what appeals to you about it as a, uh, as a work of art? You know, for me... I was really moved uh, to see uh, the Wheel of Life, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, like kind of alive, because I have been ever trying to get into the lobby of the hotel of the Waldorf Astoria, but it's closed. 
uh, because it's under reconstruction now. Mm-hmm. And actually, for me, it was the first time that I had real <laughs> feeling that I am facing something which is uh, real, which really reminds me the the how the mosaic and the carpet can uh, look like in reality. Mm-hmm. It's great because what we what we discussed together yesterday, we all, all of us we wo- we would love to see the real carpet, no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Well, in fact, here, let me read a little bit here. There, and This has been, well, well. anyway, maybe I should make this point first. You heard about uh, the fact that Amsterdam, New York, had also produced a Wheel of Life carpet for Waldorf Astoria online from one of my, uh, you know, online newspaper columns. Yeah, definitely. I, I've... Uh... I think I found uh, like three or uh, your articles. That's why I, uh, actually I found that I have to tell you <laughs> the story because first of all, I thought that it's Amsterdam in Europe. <laughs> okay, no, right, <laughs> of right. Of course. Well, and, uh, why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> and uh, actually, one day my flight was delayed and I had to spend the night in uh, Amsterdam so I, uh, <laughs> I said, okay, great chance to see the copy of the Wheel of Life. So I put uh, the name of the bridge to the map, and finally I saw, okay, this is not the Amsterdam when I am now. <laughs> no, it's it's another Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm happy that I <laughs> now I have a chance to. Yeah, no, to be in a real Amsterdam of the Wheel of Life. And, and um, um, apologize to the, to the artist, but I, I don't know if you remember the, the name of the artist who did the mosaic on the Amsterdam New York Bridge. Do, do you? I don't remember his name right now. No, I don't remember. No, okay. but he, yeah. Well, anyway, we'll find that out. But um, in terms of what, I'm not sure we've really given a good explanation. What is the Wheel of Life? It's a a group of uh, of figures, you know, in a circle showing the progress from birth through death. And um, after a conversation with Carpet Mill executive, this is an Amsterdam, New York Carpet Mill executive, Herbert Shuttleworth II, uh, in the 1980s, historian Tony Pacelli wrote, quote, The first group of Wheel of Life shows happiness of a family as a newborn baby awakens. The second group represents youth and friendship. The third group of figures depicts the struggle for life against defeats and disasters. The fourth group represents domestic happiness and mature serenity. The fifth and sixth groups turn full circle to old age and death. I mean, it's it's not... Uh, it's a serious thing, I would say, uh, Andrea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And when you face it, uh, you know, you can get uh, these deep feelings. I think I would recommend uh, all people <laughs> living here to really, uh, you know, have a uh, have a look and uh, enjoy the peace. Well, anyway, so Andrea Sukala comes to Amsterdam, New York and uh, interviewed uh, some of the folks involved in uh, local history. There was Jerry Snyder, who knows a a great deal about, uh, especially industrial history, but he's one of the founders of Historic Amsterdam League. You spent a number of hours at the uh, Walter Elwood Museum 
with uh, director Ann Pacconi and the, the rest of us there uh, talking about the uh, Amsterdam carpet industry. And uh, also a man named John Daly, who is the brother of a well-known Amsterdam historian, or uh, Jackie Daly, Jacqueline Daly, who was former county historian, but she couldn't uh, be at the museum. So John came because their family's um, trucking company back in the 1930s, in the year the Amsterdam, New York installation was made at the Waldorf was 1938, uh, John Daly's father's trucking company, which was called Amsterdam Dispatch, uh, brought the carpet from Amsterdam, New York, to New York City on this long truck, which was, you know, uh, we have pictures of it, and uh, it's quite quite a big truck, uh, would you say, Andrea? Yeah, definitely. It's amazing to see how they made it. You know how they, how they helped <laughs> them, and how they were really pushed. You know to be inventive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, good luck with your project. We have just about uh, three minutes uh, left. Uh, let me you uh, put you on the spot, I suppose. But what did you come away with, or what did you learn uh, from your your visit to Amsterdam, New York? You know, I have to say, for me, it was a really deep experience to see so many similarities between the city, small city in uh, on the border between Germany and Czech uh, Republic and here. I was really, really amazed how actually uh, the history, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, repeating itself in this one sense, but also... Uh, how we are connected into, you know, the industrial uh, history and uh, and the connection uh, to our big dreams, no? Because mm-hmm. we all have a dreams and uh, these uh, big carpets and uh, success uh, was kind of a child of uh, these big dreams. In Amsterdam, New York, the carpet industry moved out a long time ago. Um, probably the last carpet making was in the late 60s and then the offices of one of the carpet mills uh, moved out in in, in the 1980s. And maybe you've said this, but what about over in uh, the Czech Republic? Are they, you know, that's right, they aren't, when did they go out? Uh uh After the Velvet Revolution, uh, when uh, Iron Curtain, you know, fall out, they were still running uh, uh, the factory through 90s, mm-hmm. but uh, slowly but surely was going down. And in the end of 90s, uh, uh, you know, the factory uh, was uh, sold to Dutch uh, owner, and he <laughs> bought it just to kill the competitor. So one day he bought it, and the day after he closed down. Really? Yeah. So I mean that really compares to Amsterdam, and uh, with you know uh, the uh, Czech city lost the carpet business too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, when I see the result, you know, and uh, when I walk through your city and see the, the this the the feeling and emotion of uh, of the past, which is gone. And, uh, but it's great to see that there are still people who are really interested 
in the in the history and they are uh, you know they keep <laughs> trying to preserve it and i think it is also really appealing and seems to be really similar to Czech uh, factory when there there are also people trying to keep the fame <laughs> kind of and for next generation so they have the next generation also will have a chance to learn something from our past Andrea Sukala, filmmaker from Prague in the Czech Republic. The project he's working on, the documentary called The Magic Carpet, uh, should be out, uh, well, you know, in some time, but we're really looking forward to uh, seeing it, or I'm li- really looking forward uh, to seeing it. Thank you, Andrea. Uh, you have been listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore.